Amen. You may be seated. Thank you all. All right, we are continuing in our series, Enough, and last week we talked about the invalid at the sheep's gate, and um, it's a contrast to our person this week, the woman with the hemorrhage. Um, He was kind of, we weren't sure where he was about wanting to be healed. Um, Jesus asked him, do you want to? And he came up with a bunch of excuses why he couldn't. But Jesus healed him anyway. But this week we have a a different scenario. Um, It is the lady with the hemorrhage. uh, The version that I'm reading comes out of the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 24. Listen for the word of the Lord. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject of bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him. He turned around in in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowded against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask us who touched touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would guide the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that each one here gathered here today and online would receive the message that you have for us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've been watching a series, and I've talked to a few of you. I know some of you, others have watched it. Um, I think it's on Hulu, or I get so confused about what's on that we got so many stations now. Um, it's called Alone. Anybody? All right, maybe it wasn't in this church. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see a couple hands over there. But yeah, so it, it, you take 10 contestants and you take them out into the wilderness. Uh, Jeremy and Amelia turned me on to this and you got me hooked. Um, and they take 10 people out in the wilderness, and it's some place like uh, Vancouver Island, uh, Patagonia. I mean, t- some of the toughest places in the world. And you drop them off, and there's a list of like 48 things that they can have, uh, they can choose from. They only get 10 on that list. Could be a knife, obviously some type of fire starter, some choose bow and arrows, uh, many different things. And you have obviously your backpack of clothes and some tarps. And then you just get dropped off 
And the premise is easy. Longest, last man standing wins $500,000. And it's fascinating to watch, not just for for the the wilderness and and survivalist type mode of the show, but the psychology of the show. Uh, Because the title, You're Alone. And you go out there, and there's been contestants that, man, I think this, this dude's going to win. He knows everything. One guy shot a deer um, with his bow and um, catching fish, and you just think, wow, that dude's going to win. But as time goes on, all of them lose weight uh, just because they can't keep up the calories that they need. And, you know, they lose a lot of weight. Um, and over time the loneliness becomes a factor. So it's not just about the physical challenge, although it becomes a physical challenge. They've had to pull a couple people because they've lost so much weight or in their uh, heart rates low, their blood pressure's dangerously low. So they've had to pull some people, but it's amazing how many people stick it out. But by the end, I mean, there's physical suffering going on, and then it becomes some emotional as they start missing their families and appreciating uh, what they have, and then mental and spiritual. And and by the time they're done, I mean, they've had some episodes. They they have been beaten up physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, every which way you can. And they are desperate to get home. And the reason I thought about that is because, uh, oh, in, in the premise of the show, each person gets a satellite phone, and when they're done, they're done. You call, it's a satellite phone, and you call, and you say, I'm tapping out, right? And, and they come pick you up. And like I said, there's been some that they're going strong, and I think, this dude's going to win. Look at his cabin, and look at his food, and next day he gets up and calls, Right? He's done. Um, but the reason I thought about that, because I thought when they go, and the reason you can watch it, because they have a camera that they speak into the whole time. And you see them evolve over time, and you can see when it's starting to get to them mentally, and they're talking to their family, and then there's tears, and I mean, it, they're, they're beginning to break, a lot of them. And the reason I thought about this as I was driving is that this, this woman in our story, 12 years of a hemorrhage, of bleeding, trying to deal with it in any possible way she could. And she was suffering for a long period of time. And, and a lot of us have been in situations or know people that have had some type of ailment or some type of pain over long periods of time. Uh, I know Jim Kern, he's not here today, but he had the worst case of shingles in his face for like six months. I I think he still can feel it. But you know the the mental fatigue that comes when you have some type of pain or ailment for a long period of time. It begins to wear you out. And so she had this, this condition for 12 years, and she's been through... It said many doctors trying to figure this out. And not only that, she was alone too. Because her condition put her in a constant state of being unclean. So she couldn't be around people. 
not officially. She, so social norms at the time, religious laws and rules at the time said she had to keep to herself in the midst of this ailment. And I don't know if it was because of COVID and lockdowns and shutdowns and just conversations I've had as a pastor with people that it, this more than other times when I've read this because of uh, recent current events, this, this loneliness and this struggle just jumped out at me. And so she was in a desperate state. You notice Jesus didn't ask her what she asked the man at the sheep's gate. He didn't say, do you want to get well? He didn't have to. Why? Because she went through the crowd just to touch his clothes, just the, the hem of his garment, some translations say, just to touch the hem of his garment. And again, it wasn't just that she had to fight through the crowd. She had to throw caution to the wind about being unclean and breaking the law. She just said, I have had enough. That's a good name for a series, right? <laughs> said, I have had enough. I need to get well. I need to be healed. And, I, and she's at her last resort. And it's funny when I was thinking about this, how many times do we use Jesus as our last resort? instead of our first place we run to. So many times we struggle in our lives, we struggle with things, we struggle with people, we struggle, we struggle, we struggle. And when we finally have had enough, whatever it might be, then we think, well, maybe I'll try Jesus. The last resort. And Jesus wants us, wants to be our first place we run to. And just think about how much, I, I'm, I'm speaking for myself now. I can just think of how much pain, suffering, struggle I would have avoided if I would have went to Jesus first instead of last. And if I would have not tried to rely on my own strength, on my own power, on my own wisdom, or that of other people. And if I would have just said, man, I need to take this to Jesus right now. So that's the message in this, for, in one of the messages for us in this woman, this unnamed woman. She, you know, Jesus had just came on the scene. She might have might have had to. This might have been the first time she heard of Jesus. Well, she, she had heard of him, but it might have been a recent thing. She might have had an excuse why Jesus was the last resort. She might have just found him. We're Christians sitting in a church on Sunday morning. We have no excuse to make it Jesus our last resort, and yet we do all the time. Yeah, I know I'm hard-headed and Jesus has to teach me stuff over and over, but this is a lesson I want to learn. I'm 56 years old. I've been, uh, had a long life and all over the country and here and there, not just places, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And if I learn nothing else, if no one else gets it today, I hope I get it. Don't wait till the, 
the end. Don't make Jesus your last resort. Make him your first. Run to him first. Another piece that I wanted to highlight is at the end, as I was talking with the kids, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Now, he says that sometimes, and and that can be peculiar, and if you get into uh, theology discussions with people that have been to seminary or think they know theology, you get into the... Now, is that a a work? Did their faith made them well? Is that something they did? And so it can get misconstrued, but just this is a perfect example, perfect illustration in this woman's life. She fights through all of this stuff. She's been fighting for 12 years. And at the end, she sees Jesus. And as I said earlier, she has to fight these social norms, the religious rules, the crowds, their judgment, their condemnation. She has to fight through all of that just to get to Jesus, just to touch his cloak the hem of his garment, because she knew in her soul, or maybe it was her last chance, she knew that if she just got to Jesus, he would heal her. Now, this is often called a miracle on the way to a miracle. I didn't read the broader context, but Jairus' daughter was dead. He said dying, but dead. And so he was on his way to heal this girl when this lady fought through the crowd. She made her own story with Jesus. He was not, this wasn't the, the main story. This is a miracle on the way to a miracle. And he said, your faith has made you well. But we have to understand, because sometimes We get a little full of ourselves when we're going to church regularly, when we're doing the Bible in 120 days, and and we're like, man, I am, I have great faith. I am a pretty good guy, all right? And we start to think we're doing something, And and it's not about Jesus anymore, it becomes about us. And that's the original sin. That's what we always have to watch out for. This isn't new. In Deuteronomy, God tells him, says, okay, I'm getting ready after all this shenanigans, after all the stuff we've been through in the wilderness and your rebellion and your disobedience and your lack of faith, we're we're getting ready to go in. But I know you, this is my translation, but I know you. And when you get in there and you start living into all the promises that I have given you, you're going to start to think, you're going to start to look around. And he says, don't do this. Look around and start going, look what we did. Look at all that we accomplished. And we do that. We do that. When we begin to live into this life and we begin to get the blessings that God has for us, we begin to go, man, I do have a good faith, don't I? This church is lucky to have me. (laughs) Right? 
And then I stumble and fall, and God reminds me, no, you're, you're lucky to have them. You're lucky to be anywhere. But it is her, not her faith. It it is. This is the nuance. This is what we got to catch. It is her faith, but it is the one that she has faith in. It is the one, it is her faith that took her through the crowds, that made her ignore the, the social norms. It is her faith that brought her to the one who could heal her. So in a way, her faith did get her to where she could get healed, and it was part of how she got healed, but it was all because if she had her faith, she had her faith in the doctors, didn't she? For many years, for many doctors. The problem was they weren't Jesus. So when you have, when we put our faith into something other than Christ, then we're out of luck because our faith is only as good as the person our faith is in. And we know that there's only one good. There's only one perfect and righteous person, Savior, Messiah. That's Jesus. So I want you to take away two things. I want me to take away two things today. One is that it is about your faith, but it is not about your faith, but it is about who your faith is in. And we, in our world, it tells us that you need to believe in yourself. You need to have faith in yourself. And, and you do, but not to the degree that it becomes all about us. Because I can, I might have some gifts, some talents. Well, apparently not to Chris. I just thought about what Chris said to me today. Listen to this. This, this is, I took a side trail. So I'm in here, we're walking around, and I'm walking again. Thought it was a nice comment, uh, but it wasn't directed at me. I'm walking back there, and uh, he says, uh, Jim, and he asked him a question about a mic or something, and I said, no, no, I'm not using it or trying to be funny. And I said, no. He goes, no, I meant the talented Jim. <laughs> That's cold, isn't it? I know, I know. So anyway, I don't know what that has to do with the sermon, but I was hurt. Yeah. Faith, faith, faith. But my faith is not in Chris. My faith is in Jesus. Uh, see that? Okay. And the last thing I want you to remember is the first thing I said. Don't make Jesus be your last option, your last resort. We waste so much time, so much energy trying to struggle, trying to do those things on our own. And then finally we do the VA. Oh, I should have gone to Jesus, right? After we've lived in the mess, after we've struggled on our own power. It's like, why do we do that? 
I know why we do it, because we're sinful, human, weak-minded. I'm talking about me. Um, I know why we do it, but it's just frustrating, because we waste so much. Go to Jesus first, and put your faith with all your heart, mind, and soul in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your patience when we, when we try all other options in this world and on our own will and our own power, and then we finally come to you. Lord, help us to make you our first option, our first choice, so that we don't have to struggle, that we might be witnesses to the world. And Lord, help us to not have faith in ourselves or in the things of this world, but put our faith solely in you, the one that can heal, the one that saves, the one that redeems, makes, molds, shapes, transforms our heart and our minds. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all that you have done, and we praise you for all that you will do. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.